Allergies. Pollen in the air. Dogs in the house. Mold in the basement. Whatever triggers your allergy symptoms, it can really hold you back. Break through with Allegra 5-in-1 Relief. Allegra works fast, won't make you drowsy, provides 24-hour multi-symptom relief, and it's effective every day. Break through allergies with Allegra. Starts working in one hour, use only as directed. Guaranteed or your money back. Visit Allegra.com. Number two. Radio. I don't know, you say something. Okay, so we didn't hear anything. Do you think something happened? I don't know. I don't either. Okay. Hello. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to RU Instant Reaction Review. And we have a little technical thing I have to do here. So, Shane, you talk. Okay. Well, we're uh, we're basking in the technological glow of all this new equipment and some of it entails just a little trial and error because we absolutely refuse to be scientific about it. So well, right. we're going to get it right, and it's amazing, and it's awesome. Didn't you promise pictures of this? I might have. We're going to have to do something I, I like could that. Do, I could do some – I guess I could throw a picture on when I put the post of this one It would on. be funny if you just used a picture that really wasn't us at all and we right. claimed that we were in some – well, we do have – Jen took a picture oh, that's right. Right. Of, of us sitting at there's – phys- there's proof. There's a picture of you anyway. Uh, oh, is there? Like I the back of my head. Maybe, <laughs> Great. When she was walking out the other okay. day. I didn't okay. do our intro, so you have to – So, right. Now we're we're totally just babbling and right. and we're live You're on the other So that's pretty horrible. Right. Um, yeah, let's just start over. Welcome to right. our <laughs> instant reaction review. I am areyouscreening.com's own Mark Eastman. <laughs> Because that's how I like to introduce. Myself. I like the introduction, you know, the introduction. With me, as always, is Shane Leonard. Hello again. And actually, uh, the in case you're interested, the curious problem that we're having is last week, if you oh. tuned in, uh, because of the new setup that we have, we can't hear the intro music. Right. <clears throat> now, the doubly weird thing about that is that I was going to play some clips today of interviews. So now I don't know what will happen with that, and will we hear them or won't we? Well, maybe we can try the, so, the smallest clip. Um, what, that's not even it. That's what, the intro. Yeah. What we what we may end up doing is we will we can try to play the clip, and we can see the time on the clip. Right. I haven't heard the clip. That's true. So <laughs> you're gonna paraphrase so it for that, me. That will we'll be really figure, interesting. We'll figure something out. The, we'll cli- the clips that we have. That one is <laughs> we're doing the Amazing Spider-Man this week. Right. And one of the clips we have is Andrew Garfield, and the other one is director Mark Webb. And the reason that I got these particular clips um, is, you know, these are not interviews that we did. These are press interviews yeah. that, you know, I, I'm given. And, and not like I went out and talked to Andrew Garfield, so we were not misleading people right. who might be listening. The reason that I got these was because they both talk about interesting things about making the movie – and what I want to know is, is is that how it actually played out in the movie? I hope this works then, because uh, I'd like to hear that. Mark Webb is talking about the villain in the movie mm-hmm. and and how you create the villain and how you how you kind of bring the villain uh, to the fore of the of the plot, I guess, right. and how you should do that kind of. And so, what I want to know is. 
is that the villain we actually got? Is right. that the play we actually got? Before we jump into the movie, uh, here's one thing that I wanted to say, and it's interesting because we could not hear our jazzy intro music, which I think is horrible because I like the jazzy intro yeah, music. Yeah, I like the intro. Like but it is, it is pretty goofy jazzy intro music. And so what I'm going to throw out now for people who are listening this week, and once again, thanks to all our <laughs> listeners, yeah. is... If you know someone who wants to do our jazzy intro music, hey, send me an email at markeastman at com. That's Mark with a C. Right. Eastman at, at com. Send me an email with the file. Wave file. So and, do and all the MP3. work. And well, of course. Yeah, it's like, like it. it's like 10 seconds. That's right. Okay. It's, it's like a contest. You know, okay. it's like a contest. Every week we will say the name of the band. So right. you know someone who has a band and wants me to say their name every week forever on this cool. show. Right. You know, 10 seconds. Make sure. Put something together that's 10 seconds that can be our intro music because our intro music is actually pretty stupid music. Yeah, it's just default stuff. Right. And also this week, uh, if anyone actually wants to take advantage, I am going to be giving away The Amazing Spider-Man on Blu-ray when it comes out as a contest that's going to be connected to our podcast here and the com post that's like the podcast yep. post. And the way it's going to work is same way we tried to do last time. And I have to tell you, last time... We tried to do this for the Raven. Oh yeah, right. And I I set I set up the little widgety raffle copter thing yep. that I run the contest through because it's the coolest thing to run contests through and it takes care of everything. Well, it's, raffle copter is a beauty. cool name anyway. Right. And I set that up for two weeks and got not one single entry. Oh. One one person would have just won by default. And I don't know hmm. I don't know why that is. It's really funny because. Uh, we got a lot of live listens that yeah. week and a uh, you know, decent number of podcast listens. Yep. And uh, the post for that uh, episode right. had t- tons of hits. Maybe they think like... And everyone said, but I'm not going to edit Well, maybe they don't like free things. So what we're going to do is... Um, you know, we're trying to have the chat open, and now we're having another malfunction with that thing, too, because the chat won't open on Blog Talk Radio. So, sorry, we'll, we'll sorry about it. that. This will be the we'll, time we get tons we'll of chat if, action. Right. We'll see if, we'll see if something <laughs> will happen with that. Yeah. Um, so, what's going to happen is, uh, I'm going to do it the same way. It, there's going to be, the widget will be there, and it's just going to say, like, what's the secret word or something. Right. And so, later on in the show, we'll tell you what the secret word is. Right. So... It's not just like you leave a comment and say the secret word, and then everyone knows the secret word, and then you don't have to listen to the podcast. So you have to either listen to the podcast or someone who listened to the podcast has to talk to you. This sounds like you've had a lot of experience in cheating and and contests. Well, no, I've had a lot of experience of people doing that and leaving leaving comments and saying (laughs) – this is the answer, and then you know, then you get like fifty more comments that go, "Um, is the right, answer is this? this? Oh, hooray!" Yeah, so, right. okay, so the Amazing Spider-Man. Let's uh, let's try to jump in. And the first thing that I want to say about um, since we may have a clip by uh, right by Mark Mark, Mark Webb is that um, I want to talk about him and directing this movie. Yeah, 
And mainly just by way of, it's really surprising to me that he got the gig, I guess. Well, he, look at his last name. He does not have, right. Mark it's all based with on, two Bs. I right. mean, who else is out there? And he, yeah, the whole the whole process was... He must have got so tired who, of that who, joke. Who has the name that right. works with the movie? Um, he hasn't really done all that much stuff. Yeah. And what he has done, and I got the IMDb right here. Oh, go I'm, ahead. I'm moving off mic here a little bit, but... Well, it's 500 Days of uh, Summer, I know. Right. He did do 500 Days of Summer. And actually, here's another thing, is that he directed the pilot for the show that tried to come out last year, Lone Star. Yep. Which I liked that show. You've been show. telling me about Lone Star for a while. I liked that show, and I think it only lasted like maybe four or five episodes before it got canceled. But yeah. I thought that was a great show. And it was, you know, this guy who's like a hustler. Uh, and he's trying to swindle people out of oil investment money, and mm-hmm. he, then he hooks up with the daughter of some actual oil baron, right? Who then gives him a job, and then he's got like a legit job, and now he wants to he wants to stick with the legit job, but at the same time he has another wife somewhere else that he's going back and forth living the two lives. It was a really interesting show. It, I just recently saw it was being rerun. But so here's the thing. So I mean, not that we you know want to talk about Lone Star, but here's the no. thing. He's directed uh, you know music videos, some kind of like music related documentary shorts, and oh, wow. and 500 Days of Summer, which <laughs> great movie. Uh, I loved I, yeah. I loved 500 Days of Summer, and uh, you know a pilot on TV and an right. episode of The Office. And yeah, here and there, none of which is really making you go. uh, Clearly, the choice for the amazing Spider-Man is Mark Webb, this guy, right? Mm -hmm. So I think interesting choice, and I some some of these things make me wonder about how how this all you know falls into place that people get these gigs because he doesn't seem like the guy who you want directing this. So you know who do who do you know and all this. So, I mean, the reason that I want to start out bringing this up is I thought the movie was expertly directed. I, I thought it was directed defined, really well. Defined how? Like, what what about the film was expertly directed? Well, what stands out to me about how it was directed is uh, a lot of the conversation scenes were uh, really good. The action scenes were not... Like we were just talking about, uh, you know, last week or the week before, I, I don't even remember now, but, you know, like on and on and on with the right. action. They were just like kind of there were maybe one or two parts where you might have trimmed a few more seconds off. Yeah. But they were good action scenes. And uh, just I think the whole kind of cohesiveness of how you you knew where you were going and and that's where you got to, I guess. Uh, And a lot of things, you know, there's plenty of things that could be, I guess, on the, you know, director's to-do list. And then did he do those well or did he not? But the things that usually stand out for me as what you really can, you know, take the director to task for if it's bad in a movie were not bad. I mean, I, I liked a lot of the things that I think are the main part of the director's responsibilities. I liked the way scenes were put together. 
I like the way you got in and out of scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like certain parts where, like just to throw out one example, there's um, there's one scene where he kind of has uh, the, the fight with uh, Uncle Ben, Aunt May, and storms out in the right. end. And getting into that scene and how that scene went down and getting out of the scene, I think just a lot of the construction of what we were looking at, I, yeah. I really liked. There were a couple things that may or may not absolutely be anything to pick on with the director, but there were a couple scenes that were like these, you know, POV shots of Spider-Man. Spider, yeah, it was like Spider-Cam. I hated those. I, <laughs> I, thought, Excuse me, I, thought, I didn't like those at all either. I thought they were, were just a showcase of right. they were, CGI. I thought they were really, really kind of goofy, but, you know, still, they were a couple yeah. little scenes. But now overall... I did not love the movie as much as I wish I did. Even though it was expertly directed? Yeah. So you're thinking that the problem must lie story-wise or maybe performance-wise? You know, what I think actually is that um, it's kind of a horrible thing probably for a movie critic, but (laughs) there were these little things that bugged me. And it's just that there were so many of them. And they were everywhere. They add up. And, and yeah, it just, you know, any five of them or so in a movie, it wouldn't make any difference at all to my rating. But they just kept kind of piling up. So, I don't know. Not that I I hated it or anything. No. I just, uh, it just, I just wished that a lot of these things would go away and then I'd like it, like it better. It's, it's kind of like those POV shot scenes that we're talking about. Yeah. You know, that, well, whatever. It doesn't make that big a difference. It's, right. I didn't like it, but it's not like I would go, oh, well, take I hate it two because stars of because right. that scene was in. Right. It's just like one little thing. But it's just that there were so many little things. It's interesting. I'm just me. looking at Mark Webb's, you've got the screen still on IMDb, and he has, you know, every once in a while, like you, I'm curious how a guy gets this job. Does he know somebody? Did he just dazzle someone with his last effort? Does he show promise? And the easiest one that stays in my mind is how Peter Jackson went from doing films like Dead Alive to getting J.R.R. Tolkien's trilogy, which was a zillion dollars, and everyone found out, earned all these awards and accolades. But if you had ever said the guy that did The Frighteners was going to handle Middle Earth, people would have laughed you out of a room. Um you know, Mark Webb has done some things, but really his big thing was 500 Days of Summer. But it's interesting to note that, you know, between 500 Days of Summer and Lone Star, he had like four years off. Right. And didn't do anything. I mean, I'm sure he did something because he had to eat. But it, it's interesting to see his resume and just be like, well, was someone so blown away by this? Did they give him that? Or well, is no, he, wait. It's, it's, uh, he went from Jesse McCartney up close, and they had four years off, right. and then and, did 500 Days of Summer. Right. And his 500 work, Days of Summer it could have like absolutely even more of an argument. Right. When, when we After were reviewing looked, that, you'd be going, well, right. he hasn't done anything. For, right. Which, I mean, obviously, he has. He, pro- he probably did something. Right. It's just not, you know, we've, we've run into that. Plenty Every of times with IMDb too, because yeah. you know yeah, there are even times when I know they did something and it's not and it doesn't show yeah, up on there. So, well, there were there were certainly things that um, you know Mark Webb may have been beholden to in the film itself. Like there were some moments in the script where I just I was like, oh god, this is horrible. Like right. the scene where 
he's confessing all these things to Gwen Stacy and he starts it off. They're about to have this really awkward, exciting, electric teenage chemistry moment of interpersonal reaction to each other. And she's just waiting to kiss him. And he says, I've been bitten. And she can't right. wait to that, say, that so whole, I. And I'm like, oh, scene, right? God, that's the worst. And right. all it is is a, it, it's, it looks good on paper because it's a pun. Like, I have been bitten. Oh, tee hee hee. Right. Wink, wink, nod, nod. It, it doesn't work. Right. No. You know, there are moments like that where he just Even, he's, he's shooting the script that's in front of him and he doesn't have the pull or the power to say, we're going to cut that. We're right. not even going to do it. Even you know? even uh, as that scene keeps going mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I'm OK with this kind of strange awkwardness that he has. Like he has a very special awkwardness yeah. when trying to talk to her. Right. And, you know, that's OK. Yeah, it's fine. To some point. It, it goes a little far, I think, in the movie. And that scene's a really good example because it it's like it just keeps going. And pretty soon, it, it's almost like you're you're watching The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And if right. you'd only have a few drinks, then you can talk to a girl. Right. But it, it just keeps, you know, he's stammering and on and on and on. And if you just, you know, just do that and let's get on with life. But it it just keeps going. Well, the worst violator of that is when they set up this date that he's at when he says he's been bitten. And they're, you know, I don't have a big problem with the cast of the film. You know, I thought they showed up and they did their work. And I I like Andrew Garfield. I think he's certainly gung-ho and very excited to be in this role. Right. And... It's just interesting. I'm not going to harp on all their ages because how often, you know, outside of the Harry Potter universe, do you really get to cast people, whether they're adults or kids, their own age? Yeah. You know, no, it just doesn't happen. You get 28-year-old guys like Andrew Garfield playing it, it, a junior or a senior in high school. It, so, it doesn't happen that much, but uh, I am not really so quick to write that off. No, and it, I'm it not does, either. But it, there is a, it really starts to irritate me at some point. And <laughs> when you have 35 or 38-year-olds playing 17-year-olds, what, that's What's weird difficult. about it is he's about a month from 29. Yeah. And uh, Emma Stone, who I love in general, right. is something like maybe 24-ish, yeah. I think. And you know what's, what's even weirder about it is the combination of them. Because... She seems older than him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I'm watching her in the movie, I feel like she's the one who's 30. When we first see her in the film and she's on the school grounds and she's wearing not a schoolgirl uniform, but she's got tall socks and she's got like a pleated kind of school skirt on. Clearly, you think I thought for a minute she was an instructor. You know, I knew better because I know she's playing Gwen Stacy. But there's a moment where you're just like, wow, she's very mature looking. Right. But but the scene I'm talking about is in the school when they're both hemming and hawing about being awkward about asking for the date, and they keep doing what adults who are well removed from being a teenager think teenagers do. Right. And it's evident that that's really not what teenagers do. And right. it, that scene went on for about two minutes longer. And I hate to be like, I'm going to bring up the time a bit because the film is two hours and 16 minutes. Yeah. In my opinion, that's. 30 minutes too long it is it really it really drags in places and one of the things that is mark webb's responsibility is the pacing of the film yeah and i disagree you know i i didn't have too many big problems with his directing of it but it is it's it's oddly paced it starts and stops and fits and part of that is because the movie as a whole doesn't exist what you have when you're watching the amazing spider-man is several scenes 
linked together. There's no real movie there for me. Right. I, I think that uh, to a certain extent, the way that happens is almost like now it will get thrown because I can't remember if it's the first or the second X-Men, but one Which of one? Them, one of them I mean, what scene I remember. Made a, it's not even a scene. It's like the whole movie. One of them made a really serious effort to try and be like you were turning the pages of a comic. Yeah. Like, that's how scenes would happen. Yeah. You would kind of like just flash over to the next panel right. and try to see how that works. And that is and how it, comics and, work more times than not. And I think there's an extent, at least, to which that's what this movie was kind of trying to do. I don't know. And it's not obvious in the way that it kind of was in the X Men. I, I you know, think it was. I'll, you, you I'll, have... I'll get I'll get screwed because I, no, I can't remember it's, which it's one. It's got to it be the first one because the second one was a, such a linear story. You know, it just didn't have like these abrupt cuts and things. Right. Um, the first one because they had to introduce all these different people with all their varied powers and all their different locations. Right. Felt very choppy, but you know, I don't know. I just it, it doesn't have to be. You know, the worst perpetrator of this, in my mind, is Ang Lee when he did the Hulk. And that's because he literally put panels and page right, turns right. and things. So obviously that was established and right. that was his desire. I just kind of felt this was not supposed to be a metaphor for turning the pages. I just think this no, was his idea so. of, I'm going to do this scene and then we're going to cut. And there's no real fluidity that, that bridges them all through it, so... For me, that was a bit distracting. Right. I thought that I, I didn't actually have too much of a problem with the pacing. I thought that um, there were parts that didn't need to be there, but I still felt like we, we kind of <laughs> moved through them okay. Well, I the, mean, the movie I, doesn't need to be there. Not that I'm going to take a big well, crap on it. True. You know, rebooting is this real popular phrase and there's been so very few true reboots lately everyone's throwing reboot around like they throw extreme on food right nachos extreme or whatever it's it's not that different it's not anything you know these reboots that are happening this is more like a reprieve no one's going to call movies that but this movie was made because the studio was going to lose the license to the character if they didn't have a film in production. Right. You know, so this is this is certainly and a reboot. And now it's a trilogy. And now it's another new trilogy. We know, as long we as know the money goes. So right. But it just I understand, you know, that's just nitpicking in a way too, but it just the whole thing there was nothing about this movie. Um maybe the best way to say it is this. It's a comic book film, so you're going to get what you get in a comic book movie. You're going to get the origin, then you're going to get the introduction of the characters, the conflict, and then some action-packed CG resolution. Right. There's there's absolutely everything you would expect in this film to be there, and nothing you don't. There were no surprises. This movie basically follows... Uh, it's not an overlaying pattern, but it follows Sam Raimi's film pretty close. There's differences in the way Peter finds his powers, but really it sets up, I mean, he, Mark Webb does, or whoever, uh, I'm blanking on the screenplay writer, they set up this weird subplot James of... James Vanderbilt. I thought you were going to say James Vanderbeek, and I was going to say no. No. You, it, you I read think, that I think, wrong. There, I think there's actually four or five uh, that people that have me. screenplay well, credits, but he's the... Look, there are differences. One. This whole mysterious, weird, scientific thing that's going on with P Peter's parents and right. the mysterious circumstances that they died. And, and that's different. 
Um, this is still more in line with the comic book origin than Sam Raimi's film was. But really, it's it's kind of following the first half or the first three-fifths of the film follows his pattern, which is not necessarily predictable or unpredictable. You have to introduce the character and then get him bit and then show how he figures out his powers. But then, you know, I don't know, just I, I like Reezy Fon a lot, even if I butcher his name whenever I try to say it. The guy's the guy's really fun and it just seemed like Mark Webb didn't let him get out of control with his character. He seemed way subdued and he doesn't have to be Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, even though the character is kinda like that. Right. Um it's just you, you basically took one character and you swapped him out. So you have Norman Osborne, who is this huge scientific guy, experiments on himself and becomes a monster that Peter has to fight. Right, who we're saving for the next movie. And apparently. again, guess what? Because In this film, so you've got Dr. Kirk, Corn- Dr. Kirk Connors, who's an amazingly intelligent you know, scientist who experiments on himself and becomes a monster that he has to fight. I mean, there's just so many overarched similarities that it just didn't. When you think about it and you say it didn't need to be redone, it didn't. Right. It was redone because they needed a film in the pipeworks to keep the character. Right, and the the thing that bugs me about that more than just, uh, you know, that it's kind of unnecessary is that it, it's unnecessary to be really kind of the reboot in the sense that, like, we start all the way over right. and and have to do the origin story again and everything and I guess there's something to the idea that since we're not having the same person play Spider-Man, yeah. all of a sudden now we have to have now we have to start it all over. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess that's kind of how it goes his- yeah. historically. And I-, I don't know. Maybe there's you know maybe there's market research probably. Yeah. What there probably right. actually is there's. There's uh, somebody did a poll. Well, they didn't pull me. But what I think is weird, really, is that, you know, why not just go... We talked about this. Just dive in. Why not just do, you know, this is the next adventure. Everybody knows who Spider-Man is. Everybody knows how he got his powers. Everybody knows Uncle Ben died. We don't need to watch it again when we just watched it. Not, I mean, it's actually... It's been a decade, it, it, which is, it, seems it, it's so a, weird. It's a lot of years, I guess. It's 10. But, but even still, it's... Yeah. You it's know, still fresh enough. We Everybody knows who it is. It's not like you're doing, you know, The Punisher. Right. Or... Right. Lesser-known characters. something that is... Even Iron Man. You really kind of have to be... Well, even Iron Man, probably, you know? yeah. You know, not. it's not... Like the next time Batman comes around, right. when it, when we lose Christopher Nolan or whatever, yep. and Christian Bale's not involved anymore, are we gonna have to again? We're gonna see, see his, the origin. They're gonna of Batman. come out of Zorro. Why and... can't we just have more Batman? And it, with Spider-Man, you right. know, throw pick another guy mm-hmm. who's a villain, and you know, give us a, an introduction to where we are right now right. in Spider-Man's life and move on. Right. But watching the whole thing start over. I thought it actually was kind of a fun way that we got there in kind of learning about the powers, which I kind of liked a little bit better than Tobey Maguire hmm. going through the learning his powers. Yeah. Where it was kind of like, uh, you know, that, that scene on the subway train was a little too comical. Right. At which I didn't like. But the theory of that scene I, I liked a right. lot, where it's just like all of a sudden he's just 
breaking stuff right. and, you know, <laughs> meaning to touch people and throwing them across right. the train or stuff. I thought that was kind of cool where it just all happened to him and, yeah. and he had no ideas what was going on. I thought that was pretty cool. One of the things that I think is weird is the uh, the webs in this mm-hmm. movie, which I thought were cool. But I do have to say, I mean, they were they were cool, whatever. How you've got to have the web somehow, right? But in the in the previous one, right? I really hated that. Why? Uh, because he's just magical. Had webs. That's <laughs> that's not yeah. what Spider Man does. Right. I mean, talk about changing the Spider Man story. Right. All of a sudden, now it's just like. Uh, I just get to secrete them out of my it, wrist. Right. It's, yeah. it's, no, it's I know. just a... And why my wrist? Why not my elbow? You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was a convenient but not necessarily logical right. leap I, to I take. thought it was good that they at least they went back to having the, the scientific web that... There's it, a there's a decision, you're right, in this film that I didn't, I didn't like in Sam Raimi's films, which was Peter Parker is a... A mad scientist. He's an incredible mind for science, and they show it in this. And, right. he, and it's necessary throughout the plot. It's not just when, oh, we need to have him create something. So of course he could do it. No, he's been doing it. He's at a he's at a magnet school, you know, for science, which is how he sort of facilitates getting into Oscorp, even though it's a little deceptive. Which, by the way, is a little weird too. Um, that someone like a lunkhead like Flash Thompson is at a magnet school for science. Well. You know, I think they only made it a magnet school when they wanted to make it a magnet school and then forgot it was just like a general populist school for jocks and bullies. Well, they, when they, they, when still they, have to, they still have to let certain people in so that the basketball team can bring in money right, for right. the school. Because science and, doesn't bring anything in if you're at a magnet school. But anyway, they, you know, I thought it was really cool that you you expect that, that part of his origin to be there. And in the comics, he did it. You know, he was a genius or a soon-to-be genius, and he could create his own things right. and... And I like that. I like I like the artificial web slinging better than the wrist secretion. Right. And you know, speaking of uh, Flash Thompson, I thought that character went totally goofy throughout the whole movie. Did you? I, I really thought everything that had to do with him was done wrong. When we first see him, <laughs> yeah, it's really over the top bullying. It's yeah. It, it's not only that it's you know kind of old and cliche kind of everyone standing he around. A, he throws a basketball the right into his head. And it's um <clears throat> it's when he's picking on that other kid and Peter right. pa- Peter Parker steps in. Right. I mean that's like you know, when we made this movie in the eighties, that right. would be that would be the scene you would have. William Zabka would have been could, in it too. We could have a little bit better scene right. of you know, you could still be a bully without right. having to be, you know, on the short bus or something. Right. I mean he doesn't have to be a total idiot and yeah. he doesn't have to be in the most like cliche nonsense bully scene right. in order to be a bully. I thought that was a little weird just because it was so it was so easy and simplistic and everything. Mm-hmm. Then then we move along through the story and we have Peter Parker kind of get back at him in his way. Right. And then the next time we see him Flash is like, "Oh hey man, it's all Good and yeah, everything, and yeah. then what is that? Is that that's <laughs> actually it's it's a funny thing. I never paid too much attention to Flash in the comic. He was just sort of this temporary foil for Peter. Well, sure. Where where the villains are always the foil for Spider Man, but it was a fun nod to the old comics where Flash eventually does kind of well does befriend Peter Parker, and 
always amuses Peter because Flash is always talking about how awesome Spider-Man is. Right. And he's always wearing stuff for him. And Peter's always just like, man, if you only knew. It, you it know? was... It was a fun moment. It, it of was okay that that kind of stuff happened, but it it, it didn't just, it, yeah. it didn't happen in anything like right. a real way that right. is not going to stand out. I hope as yeah. being a little goofy. I yeah. mean, when you're talking about the comic books, and you know, eventually Flash and Peter Parker kind of become friendly-ish friendly or whatever, and and have this different relationship. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about. A, you know, a, a not long, not yeah. twenty minutes later or whatever. Right. I mean, it's like right. a, a well, process. I'm you, the the pacing of this film is bad. I'm telling you. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't think I didn't think the pacing was that bad. And you know, you you have your pacing. <laughs> I like or my whatever. own pace. I like my own speed. For a two hour and sixteen minute movie, there were not many times for me that I was sitting there going, "Oh my God, is this going to end or what?" I mean, so right. and and we've recently been in movies where we did feel where where I did man. say, "Oh my God, will this right. movie end?" I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it had a lot of problems, but especially looking back at movies that we've recently been to mm-hmm. i thought i thought it was a lot more fun and a lot less you know you having to kind of play along with really goofy stuff but at the same time it it did a lot of weird things for me uh, there were a lot of things that um a lot of things came from the page to the screen in mm-hmm. like the simplest possible way yeah and you know even even that uh scene where they're at dinner and right. uh you know it's the police versus Spider-Man and Dennis Leary who I actually really like Dennis Leary and nothing I think that he did wrong necessarily it's you know he doesn't write the things that he has to right. say I thought he was you know he was a little too I mean he he just was he, he didn't have to be quite the maniac zealot anti Spider-Man person that he was. Right. You could be, you know, you could be a real cop. I, I feel like if Spider-Man really showed up. Right. Right. The chief of police or whatever it is exactly that he is. Um I think he's the chief of police. Yeah. I don't know that the chief of police is like the next day suddenly going to declare war on Spider-Man, <laughs> right? right? I mean, it's not uh, and and not only that but at that point, really, what had he done? I mean, yeah. Well, he in, took the law in, into his own hands. In, but in the way that that kind of comes out in the comics, it's it's where un, yeah. the police kind of turn against them, right? Sort of. You know, there's kind of questionable stuff maybe happening where, you know, not just like he trusts up a guy stealing a car, right? right. I mean that that seems very simple right. and. Right. Easy for the police to go. Well, thanks. Yeah, it, it bugs them that that particular guy messed up their sting operation. Yeah, and so that's a bad thing. But it's not like he had. He, you know, he's running some sort of black ops right. missions where <laughs> innocent people might really get hurt in right. Really, recklessness in and, what he's doing yeah. and everything like that. And there are things in the. You know, comics that make that kind of come through. A well, little the book, bit yeah, the easier. comics. Again, we'll talk more about the movie, but the comics are an important source material for what you know, what we look for, or what what can be looked for. Rather, I I didn't necessarily go into this holding it 
you know, holding its feet to the fire. But the comics certainly worked a lot more. There was a nod to the Daily Bugle, which is in the comic books, the newspaper that J. Right, Jonah right. Jameson runs and Peter freelances for. Um, you know, there's a nod to that being present in this universe, but there's really nothing that Peter does for it, even though there are times when right. he's... There's a scene we get much like out of the comic book. He's got his computer. Uh, he's got his camera webbed to the wall to take right. pictures. But in the comics, the the Daily Bugle was actually kind of feeding the community fire to get this vigilante, right. and that was in turn agitating the police. And, that's, and you know, if you that's if you break it down, part of right, and that's missing through, in the just, movie. Not that's just in the, the cops book. going right. boom, I hate Spider-Man. Right, they're they're reacting to public appeal because Spider-Man's a menace because J. Jonah Jameson hates him and wants to and take a so. crusade and does and that's so. What he puts and in this movie, even when you get Dennis Leary's explanation of well, we could have taken him off the street anytime he wanted. And Peter Parker says, well, why didn't you? You know, you get the sense that in any of these films, when there's a vigilante, they make the police look oafish because they're doing single-handedly what the police can't do at all. They can't even right. get one carjacker off the street, let alone, um, you know, a supervillain. One of the things that was really weird about that part of the film is I know Spider-Man in the movie has his hands full with bigger things now like this is when kurt connors starts being the lizard and things really take to that effect that's the that's the arc of the climax story right but up until now we've watched him for 20 25 minutes chase around who he wants to find um the the person um who killed uncle ben right. and he just arbitrarily gives this up like this this amazing moment in his life that is supposed to be um, putting him on a path of responsibility, he just just drops, and the movie just drops it, and it never it shows this moment later that the guy's wanted poster is still on his you know well, yeah, board, and we're going to get a sense of that giant next. Lizard, what are you going to do? Well, I understand that suddenly there's a giant lizard, but still, why did we have to be subjected to 20 minutes of all of this stuff if the thing was just going to fall away? Which makes me point out one of the aggravations that I have with some types of filmmaking now is that it already knew it was setting up a story for the sequel, and like you said, probably the the trilogy. Right. And because well, they the show trilogy, the, the trilogy's been it, confirmed. it's been yeah. confirmed, it's got enough money on Tuesday alone. Right. But, and I know that, but I just I hate the assumption of you know extended stories later if we do well. You know, tell me a story right. and wrap up your stuff now. Right. Don't and assume there's going to um, be something else. It's a little weird the way that that happens in the movie, that it doesn't actually ever get anywhere. And what's weird about it, even though you, you see him at the end of the movie, you you figure that what he's doing, where he is at the end of the movie, is now he's kind of picking that back up. Right, because they, they purposely show but, the wanted poster. But what's weird about that, well, and, and he walks in that alley and then mm -hmm. he sees the spider or whatever right um but what's what's kind of weird about that is you know that guy is not some super villain who's going to be right. interesting in the next movie anyway right. right he's just some guy and if he turns out to be then it's going to be doubly stupid right? right because he's just some dude who stole a few bucks out of a right. cash register at you know a it's quickie supposed mart to be a yeah it's so supposed to be a lesson for peter he, versus right he can't be a villain. he can't right. be someone who's going to be interesting in the next movie right. so the fact that it it kind of drops off I, you you kind of can understand that yeah. it drops off because when suddenly there's giant lizard, you know, there are bigger fish to fry than finding this, you know, punk guy. But what I thought was weird, I expected it to kind of connect somehow Yeah. in this movie to 
something. Somewhere we would see that that guy would turn up all of a sudden and it would be, you know, what I was really was kind of expecting was that there was going to be some point in the movie where we get that, uh, you know, you have to pick. Thing. Right. And there will be here if if I just, you know, grab this thing, then I can stop the lizard. But wait, there goes the guy. Now right. I and see now it. I must get vengeance. And so now do, right do I right. do I do this before it I runs out? I thought they'd do some kind yeah, of thing like that. And didn't. and just nothing. He's yeah. just he's just gone altogether. Well, look, again, it's not I'm not obtuse about what was happening. Certainly we're seeing Spider-Man in his very early stages getting used to his powers and learning how he can stop crime and he goes through this by like kind of a montage of him going after guys who he thinks are the one responsible. And he's checking everybody for a distinguishing tattoo that he knows the guy who killed his uncle has. Right. And I understand that for, you know, a few a few attempts at this, I think it's four um, people who match that guy's description, he's basically stopping crimes that they're perpetuating anyway. So right. he's being heroic and he's getting used to being a hero and we're seeing him act heroic. So it's reinforcing heroism. But it's unnecessarily long if there's no point to it and if it's just arbitrarily dropped and left. Right. You know, I, I mean, anybody could call or, or email in and just say, well, you're missing the point. He was supposed to be doing this. I get it, but it just – I understand the component. It's just not handled right for me. Right. That's my point, I guess. And uh, we should take a minute and say, uh, I guess, sorry about the chat. You, the lines are open to call in. Right. And if you're listening live, the number is there. But the chat room will not function right now. So I, I don't know what's yeah. going on with that. And I don't know how to try anything. We'll, fix, right? we'll try there's, to fix that later. Th- there's there's not much going on there. So um, the one thing that I wanted to ask uh, you about, actually, yeah. real quick, that so that we can talk about it. And then I'm going to try and do the clip. Okay. Maybe this and, will work, and, too. And see if those work. But what I wanted to see, since we talked about this last week, is the scene from the trailers. Right. Did, what what did that do to you once it's in the in the context? Is right. It, is, was it as bad for you as it seemed in the trailer, or originally, better, worse, whatever? Originally, for anyone who hasn't listened to all of our shows, Mark and I were talking about. You know, we knew Spider Man was coming up, and we knew that was the film we were going to see. And we had both uh, mentioned. I had said specifically, I was nervous about seeing the movie. I didn't know for sure that I would like it because. There's a scene in the trailer where he's stopping this carjacker and he pulls out a knife and he acts very cruel. You know, he acts very like snobbish to him. Right. Like, oh no, you he's, found my secret. My weakness is small mind. Very snotty <laughs> about it, basically. And I was I was worried that maybe the whole arc of the movie would have um, Peter Parker when he's Spider Man be this vengeful kind of snotty hero. And it turns out he isn't. You know, it, it's actually a very weird moment that. This is an interesting film that the trailer doesn't necessarily represent the movie that you're seeing. There were a lot right. of things in the trailer that weren't in the movie. Right. There's an actual – I'm deviating for a second – but there's an actual point in the film where Kirk Connor is kind of leeringly um, and also kind of mean, mean-spiritedly mean says to him, you know, if you want the answers about your you know, dead parents, exactly. come and get it. Exactly. And that's not in the movie at all in, in, in a – and it's not in a way to get people to go see it. And I it, just think it's the way they cut the film by the time they got to it. It stands out. It's and it not makes, showing up. And I'll tell you what. It makes the movie better. I have a lot of complaints about the movie. The fact that the movie that I just saw – and again, we walked out of this just a couple hours ago. The movie we just saw is better than the trailer I saw, which led me to think that it would be like that. Right. I'm way happier that the movie was not the trailer. So to answer your question, no, actually, I didn't mind – in the in the greater context, that was okay. Right. I got I got much more peace seeing it fold out and how he acted everywhere else. Where right. are you? 
I still kind of didn't like it. Yeah. But I almost feel like that was really a horrible thing to have in the trailer because, it, you know, you can't unsee the trailer. Right. And the way that it played out in the movie, especially, like, um, I really liked the way that whole scene came together, not counting that part. The guy breaks into the mean. car. He's, he's he's in the back he, seat. He's already in the car. Right. He doesn't like, let him we're out. Spoiling <laughs> the movie. Right. That's okay. But people have seen it. Those now. parts of it. Yeah. I thought there was, you know, a really interesting display of this is a young kid in high school who now has superpowers. Right. And that's what he do. That's he wants, exactly. He yeah. wants to fight crime, but you know he's gonna be he's gonna kind of be like a little. Right punk about it in, right. in certain ways you know he's gonna he's gonna show off a he's little gonna bit mouth off with it and he's he's gonna yeah. be like that it still i think was a, a bit over the top yeah with the way that yeah. he's with the way that he's kind of mean to him but it's it's almost like if i had not seen it in the trailer and i just saw it play out the way right. it plays out in the movie i would have probably been more okay with it. Right. I probably just would have been fine with it. But it's like you can't kind of right. get you rid of that step, feeling yeah. that you had from it from the trailer, and it just seems naughty. And now it's it sounds probably snottier to me seeing it in the yeah. movie than maybe it would have. Well, well, there's also a sense, too, in the story, not in the movie but in the comic, that Spider-Man always feels underappreciated. You know, especially by people that he helps. You know, he either gives someone's purse back and they, you know, they scream at right. him. And then, or, right, and the ending part of that. This scene, scene is the, the cops good. show up. It was great. The cops show up and they're they're sent now to get him. And if, if they can ever find him, and one of the cops draws his gun on him, and Spider Man doesn't stop and he fires at him. And it's a beautiful scene where he dodges the bullets like he's in the Matrix. He's right. using his spider sense, which I have a huge problem with, also, by the way. Flips over him, takes his gun away, and says, "What as, are you doing?" As a I general just, rule, or in the movie? In the whole movie, um, they set up this really great scene, like what you were talking about. Even though it was a little comedic, um, on the subway of how his spider Where sense the is spider starting sense, to come in, right? And it shows that it, it's not necessarily a cheat to say, "Well, of course he was just fighting people on a subway." Once they've established his spider sense, which is a huge thing, both for Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, the comic book Spider-Man, and this Spider-Man. They never use it again. They never use they, it again, except for when they, the cop tries they, to shoot at him. They it. do. When Spider-Man is escaping that scene, after he's flown away from, uh, ran off from that cop, and he says, you know, I basically just did your job for you. You're welcome. Right, right. You know, that's the end of that part where I was talking about. And he's web-slinging away. He hits a bus. Where was his spider sense there? Well, Oh, yeah. wait. It wasn't. They could have. You know, they, they didn't really use. If you watch it, this, right. I was paying attention. I'm not saying you weren't, but I was paying attention specifically to see how often, because it's the thing that they pull out whenever they want. Right. You know, it's not a constant, and it is a constant. You know, it's funny to argue about the logistics of something fictional. You know, like Superman really wouldn't like that. Wouldn't right, look right, that way right. if he was flying, based on what all the other flying men that you've seen. Right. But it's also like saying to Superman. You know, you can fly in this scene, but we're going to have you ride a motorcycle later. Right. Like, it just, once you've established that it's there and that it's an important thing that keeps Spider-Man alive, you know, it, as a character, both in any medium you want to talk about, film, comics, right. whatever, they didn't use it anymore. Right. And the, and, and I paid attention well, to it because they, I knew they didn't they, use it in, like, uh, his big battles. They, they didn't use, use it, it in, the, in the way that they established, established it. Right. And that was frustrating. Because... It, when he's fighting the lizard, we yeah. should we should have 
right. had that happening. And I, I wonder if that was – that seems to me like the sort of thing where it was just a decision that it would just make everything – it just makes everything busier. Even well, it's like, an easy thing to establish like with a guy like – When you have it in that scene and he's fighting yeah. in the bus, that becomes a very kind of busy scene, even, yeah. even though it's small and you've got all this other action that you want to right. be happening. And it's like what they kind of did is – we would have him move in certain ways where what you're supposed to do is go, well, see, that was a spider sense. But we're not yeah. actually going to show it. Right. I never saw that Because then that's that too much stuff yeah. happening. Well, was, just, just the way that he, you know, right. reacts. I don't know. They, right. they did pretty much drop what they established. Yeah, they, they set maybe, it up and it's a Maybe big not thing. that the spidey sense is, you know, gone altogether. Yeah. It's just that now all that it means is that once in a while he, like, you know, kind of perks up his ears right. like a dog hearing a noise, and then he runs off in that direction, yeah. or, you know, whatever. But they didn't really it they didn't been, use it. It would have been very easy in any of the two or three battles with the lizard that, you know, the lizard has two hands, two feet, and a tail that's a weapon. And if he was just dodging the tail, which the lizard threw at him a few times, you just really understand that there's he's still new to his power. The lizard's got you know two more appendages that he's throwing at him than he's used to having. Plus this, right. you know, and it just would have been easy to understand him dodging a couple and getting hit by one every once in a while. Right. But they don't. They they introduced it and they just left it. Yeah. So that was bothersome. But no, I that scene was weird. That trailer was really weird. You know, I kept thinking we're going to see a film that is more in line with Ang Lee's Hulk. Which had right because the whole the trailer, of Bruce the trailer is weird. The whole origin of Bruce Banner, and I'm not trying to jump all over the place, don't gonna, you know, is that Ang Lee wanted him to be genetically modified by his father because he thought the whole story of the Hulk was father issues. This trailer looked like it was setting itself up to be Peter's dad working at this company was setting up his kid to be you know, genetically dispositioned to be bitten by the spider or worked right. on. The, the and trailer, I hated that. The trailer, oh, man, especially with it. the parts with uh, Reese Ipens. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the trailer parts you get with him talking and everything so almost makes it sound like, you know, his dad did it to him. Right. Like exactly. his dad locked him in a room with a and, spider yeah. when he was a little kid <laughs> until him, the spider bit him or yeah. something. It's, it's a very, it was it's very, a very strange trailer. All right, so um, I'm going to try this All right, let's hear this. Hopefully we'll hear um, this. Like I said, the the one I'm going to try first is Mark Webb. And uh, the reason that he's talking about the villain and he's kind of talking about villains in general and he, you know, makes some sort of claims about the villain that we get. It's not a super long thing anyway. But Turn the volume on the computer up and I'll hear it no matter what. So uh, we'll see. This, This should be interesting. Hopefully this will work out well. But like I said, the reason that I wanted to play this is because I want to see if that's what we actually get. He believes he's doing the right thing. I think any um, great drama comes from, I think Tom Stoppard said this, great drama comes from competing ideas of what's good and what's right. And I think the lizard believes what he's doing is correct. He thinks he's being compassionate. He thinks that the world around him will be better if they're like him, stronger, they will be less uh, susceptible to disease um, and weakness. And uh, he doesn't really, he, he doesn't understand that people should have a choice. 
Right. Well, so that would well, be interesting. Everybody, we, everybody else that. heard that. Yeah, that's okay. Everybody else heard that. Um, we were unable to hear it here for uh, our purpose right now. Okay. Well, we'll figure that out. We'll assume that everybody else heard it. Every, <laughs> everybody, Otherwise, thank you for the forty-second break. And everybody else might have heard forty-three seconds of oh, dead air. Right. I don't know. So now that's uh, tricky to talk about, and so we won't do the other one. But I don't, I don't know why that doesn't work. I'm not and, sure. Either. And that's the craziest thing because when we did this with the phone, we did that before, and, and it worked, and perfectly. it totally worked. And now apparently, because we're using the Skype and using actual mm. microphones, you, we can't hear what's going on. But oh. anyway, so now it's worthless to talk about that, I guess. But well, please <laughs> somebody. At at least uh, other people got to hear it. But what he says in there is um, what he talks about is that, you know, really good villains uh, believe that they're right. Yeah. I, no, I yeah. They don't, you know, they don't think they're doing evil things. Right. They, they think they're doing the right thing. And uh, the lizard thinks that he's, he's doing some great thing yep. to make people better. And if right. only I do this, then humans will be better and everything. And, uh, you know, no weakness and everything. Now, right. now here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I I generally agree with that principle. Okay. I'm not absolutely convinced that that's what we get in this movie. Right. Because really, he's just kind of crazy, and you know, it's almost like. I agree with the theory, but that doesn't mean that, you know, like Hitler was just doing what he thought, right. you know, was the right thing to do. And, you know, I think the difference is that what Hitler and what the lizard actually have. <laughs> I can't believe is, we're having this conversation about Hitler and the uh, lizard. I think what they actually have is oh, like man. this kind of story about right. that they're doing the right thing. Not that they actually believe that they're doing the right thing. Well, I want... Okay, I'm not let's, sure let's, that's let's true. Bring it, let's bring it differently. Let's let's remove Hitler and let's just bring in the Joker just because it's easy. You know, Alfred the butler just said to Batman when he didn't understand his motivation or what he could do, he just said, some men just want to watch the world burn. Right. Most often, most often when you get a really engaging... Uh, protagonist, you you realize that they're not the villain in their own story. You know, the bad guy isn't the bad guy in his world. He's the hero. He's off. He's after doing something that may or may not be against societal or legal, you know, guidelines. But he's basically still trying to do something for himself, not selfishly. But maybe he's trying to steal a bunch of money to save his kid's cancer, or or who knows what it is. And then you get the anti. Um, you know, you get the super anti-villain, which is like the Joker, who doesn't have a motivation. They just want to destroy and 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 usurp your world and your worldview. I don't know that Connors is really like what you know that clip probably sounded either. I just think that again, in part of the storytelling, I don't think that the problem is the direction. You know, Mark Webb didn't really mishandle a bunch of stuff. I think there are story problems right. peppered throughout it. And as part of that, I think. It's very easy to accelerate the guy to being maniacal and crazy superpowered because that's what you assume your villain has to be. Um, but there really is no leap for that. He went from like trying to figure out how to grow his own arm but also help people medicinally across the world to being power hungry and wanting to make an army of lizard people. 
Right. Like he went really from 1 to 11 very quickly, and you just assume that that's okay because we're so used to well, power-mad villains being that I think, way. I think the story might it's be... Uh, I think the story might be that he only goes from 1 to 11 after he's injected himself with the stuff, and that a fairly mm. decent theory, anyway, might be that you know, this the stuff makes you a little crazy. Yeah. It made that mouse a little crazy. That was another weird moment where <laughs> there's an interesting moment where they're certainly working on lab mice and as Parker is leaving once when he starts to suspect things are going awry for Dr. Connors, he sees this engorged lab rat. And I mean the thing is the size of a house cat at this point and it's eating the bloody maw of Another uh, mouse, the, the or, other mouse, you know. Well, it was Fred and Wilma, and right? And whichever and one we, whichever one, I can't right. remember which one got it. But one of the Flintstones yeah. is not like the other. And he just like the scene cuts. You don't get a sense right. that maybe this rat should be stopped or killed or euthanized or you know. Right. I think I think the theory that we're that we're <laughs> that working on weird. is that the fact that he injected himself the first time is what made him a hyper accelerant is, for crazy. Is, so. is what made yeah. him crazy, which wow. I think also is is. You know, there's there's something that's gone wrong, I think, in the theory of talking about how the villain thinks they're doing something good mm-hmm. when we're kind of going down the road that they're clearly insane. I mean, I, I can understand the idea that insane people think that they're, you know, the protagonist right. in their own story, that they're like right. the hero in their own story. But is that really selling me anything? You know, I mean, yeah. there's there's a difference between like, like you've got the Joker, he's insane in his own special way. And right. I don't know that he thinks that he's the hero in his story either. He's just a guy in his story, and destroying everything is not necessarily he's picturing himself as a hero. He just right. w- wants the chaos and just wants to, you know, burn the world, whatever. But if you have, you know, some other story, and you have, uh, there's a way to have a sane person who's the bad guy, right? And especially because you know you see it in a lot of comic books. Yeah. And oh well, certainly some people just want money. Like you get bank right, robbers, right? Like who knows what they're going to spend their money on? It might not be philanthropy stuff, but it might just be a new flat screen TV. Right. They're going to take what they want. You know. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, it, that really sucks. I don't know why that didn't work. But well, uh, I, it I will have to. Maybe we have to plug the computer into the uh, to the I, soundboard now. I will have to try and figure that. We yeah. have to go both ways or something. Yeah, we'll figure I, something. Yeah, I don't know. They, it, we sound so professional. So um, we only have <laughs> a couple of minutes left. So uh, I feel like we've mostly talked about bad things about the movie. Yeah. Throughout this, which I thought it was funny, you know, actually listening back to last week when we talked about Ted, I think I actually was right in my prediction at the beginning because I don't think we actually talked about the movie very much. Wow. But you know, maybe maybe we did. But listening back to <laughs> listening back, there were to that, a lot of things. I, about I think this I, one. I think I was right because yeah. we didn't really talk. Well, there were a lot of things. There, there were a lot of problems I had with this movie. We didn't even touch on. You know why why Uncle Ben's death is not a motivator for Peter Parker, but Gwen Stacy's father is. Like, there's a big character problem here. There's a big story problem here, and with the amount of time we have left, 
I'm not going to get into it in the regular part of the show, but maybe we should just do right. We, we, the, the review end and then... We we may go over a little yeah. bit, but since we have like a minute and a half, yep. we, need to, we need to get to what is your rating of the movie. Actually, before we even do your rating, I'm, I'm going to say... <laughs> I drew my breath to I'm say I'm going to say that, that the it. secret word, because I will forget, right. but I want to do that now in the right. live part, but the secret word I, I'm going to make be webmaster. Webmaster. So you with two B's doesn't matter. One yeah, I don't B, care. So go to ruscreek.com. You'll find the post. Nice. And there will be a little box. It'll say what's the secret word, and right. it's going to be webmaster because it's cool. See, it's comical because right. it's computer related. Right. Okay. So now, what's your star rating? Because seriously, now this is going to end, and we can go uh, on. Mine's easy. We no, can go on. Mine's for a easy, while, and we but... can wrap up your three years out. Mine is two stars. Two. Two stars. Wow. I still feel like three. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, think I think it's going to be a lot of fun for people to go see if they don't think too hard about it. But I just yeah, uh, it's not the right reboot reprieve. It's just it's got too many problems. No, I think it has, and like I said, it has a lot of things. It, it has a lot of niggling things for me that add up to not liking it that much. But still, I think it was pretty fun. And it's not above average for me. An average is two and a half. It's slightly below right. average. So this, if on a letter grade, it would get a C minus. So that's right. true. I think it's. Slightly above average. Sure. I, it, it might even be, you know, like amazing two and three quarters. Except that I don't do that, but <laughs> you should. You should give it a try. All right, we didn't even say goodbye now, and I think I, I think it's over. The, yeah, the, li- the live show ended, and, right. and we're just like <laughs> babbling as the time runs out because you know we have to get a handle on how we run the show. I, right. you, you need to become like a producer. You want me? I, like, I did this for a like, while. Have this a little is so funny. You say this now. I did this go, for a while, dude. I was coming up with all these things like this is what we'll do, this is what we'll do, and you one day said to me, "This minute, yeah, this is what'll start." All right, next week, next week, I'll keep our feet to the fire when we see a certain time frame because I know when we start. That's right. There will be like all right at ten minutes left, this will happen. At five minutes left, this will happen. I remember you giving me crap about that. Like we were a second weekend. I'm like, we should do this. We should do that. And you're like, oh, so now you're the producer? And I was like, yeah, you did. I remember when you said that. I'm like. Hey, I'm just coming up with the ideas. That's, that's what I said. All I've right. also decided, just said this. This <laughs> reminds me. I've also decided that uh, you know, listening through some of even the older shows, going back yeah. again through some of the older shows, and you know, listening every week, I've decided really that I I am not allowed to laugh. Ah, come on, we, we're funny. We're having a good time. Who cares? I'm cracking up over here sometimes with the things they're saying. It's, no, but it's I right. sound like an idiot. No, really well, don't listen to yourself anymore. <laughs> I think okay. we. Uh, what about the idea you had where we were going to go back and redo all the shows with the nice new fancy equipment so oh, everything was right. like That'll all. Be great. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. Here's your Log line. Talk Radio has this great <laughs> thing actually where you can get a transcript of your show printed out. Oh, sure does it, it? God knows how much it costs. Why Probably, do we not who, have who this? Who does like, you know, five dollars a page or something? Oh, well, forget I, that. No, I have no idea what it costs, but I'm sure it must cost something. So we could it go back not. and we just do our old shows. <laughs> we just have our script that laid would be out. Awesome. So we just, uh, so, um, Cabin in the Woods right. was really good for right. me. That was horrible. <laughs> and, then we'll, and then we'll sound like it. That was great. But it'll sound hey, really good. I don't think good. there's any... Look, you, you've gotten some emails about how laid back and fun the podcast is and how they appreciate it. That includes the laughter, the joking, the occasional fire drill of moving the chairs around. You know, we're going to have fun, so... I know. I just think I sound stupid. I could, wow. I could like, turn my microphone off and laugh, and that would be okay. We'll do that. I just... I, I hate listening to myself every time I start laughing. But 
Okay, so uh, Spider-Man, other niggling things or whatever you, you know, wanted nothing, to still nothing get to? niggling things. It's just there were big things for me that were just – they didn't work, and they – they worked before, which is not a reason that they have to be repeated. But if you're going to dive in and do the origin story, one of the bigger things that I had a problem with was Uncle Ben dying as a story. I don't care if it's comics or movies. That's supposed to be a huge reminder and eternal motivator for Peter Parker. Right. And in part, it this movie in a that, lot of ways... That fact alone that it's supposed to do that worked way better in the earlier movie. I agree. I think, I think and that it's, worked out really and, well. And part of that comes... You know, there are certain archetype um, moments in these stories, you know, and unfortunately, like what you've said over and over again, like if they reboot Batman again in two years, we're going to have to see his parents get killed and him train again. Or if we see a new Superman, he's going to have to come from Krypton and it's going to explode and yada, yada, Right. Yada, Instead yada. of like, you know, move on to, uh, right. you know, comic book it would be great. number 79 right. story or, you know, whatever. Just it would be great if they in. just handled it in the opening credits. You know, if they just did like the three or four minute flashy credits and you got those right. origin there and then boom, now we're doing something. But for me, you know, this movie reminds me an awful lot of Brian Singer's Superman Returns, who when he made that Man, movie. Man, that's a, that's a killer of a statement. Well, in, in a way, it's kind of a it's which kind is, of how I felt about is, the which movie. Which is OK with me. No, I understand. But, I, it, you I know, hated, I hated that. movie. I didn't enjoy it either. And he was too preoccupied with paying like this homage and attention to Richard Donner's films. And when he finally got to the. You know the portions and the places of his movie where he would make his own Superman story, it didn't fit, and it was kind of awkward. It was all like out of place. Right. This film, though, I don't think Webb was purposefully trying to pay homage, you know, to Sam Raimi. I think he was just trying to do his own film. There were things that were, you know, certainly, like I said before during the live part of the show, were running very parallel, little deviations, but very parallel to the original stuff. That Raimi had done. Well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, how are you gonna? How different can you make? It's it not like he can like get bit by a radioactive the, wasp. I understand right, that. Right. When that's still the comic book that you're coming from, it's it's. How are you gonna avoid that? There, like, there are certain things, things. There are certain things like in Spider-Man, uh, like in Superman, when there's a moment where Frank Langella is supposed to say, you know, find out if Superman is fighting for, you know, truth, justice in the American way, and what he says is truth, justice, all that stuff. Because he wanted to put like a contemporary new spin on this archetype kind of statement. The biggest thing that happens with Spider-Man is with great power comes great responsibility. Right. And if you don't have that, if you're trying to do this thing, and we never even brought up, you know, Sally Field and Martin Short. Oh, Martin Short. Martin Short. <laughs> now that'd be a movie. If Martin Short had been Uncle that, Ben, that would have been. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm that, gonna. That's a, that's a good thing actually to bring up because <laughs> if Martin Short, oh, I man. can't. I can't stand Sally Field, and just the fact that she really, just the fact that she's in this movie irritated that. You didn't like Sally Field? No. Um, I, I just don't. We didn't even talk about Campbell Scott either. Okay, I, I but, just don't like her in general. Well, okay. Excuse me, Martin Sheen. You know, he he was a really great Uncle Ben. You know, yeah, he I was. thought I thought he I thought was he really great. And in the moment where he's talking to him, when the speech is supposed to come, he doesn't say it. He gets this "you have to be responsible" speech. He, he, he doesn't say, but the he dances exact around words, the whole right. thing. And the thing is, is this is the this is like the key component for the gravity of his character after his uncle dies. He's always not only reminded that he could have stopped the killer. Um, but that because he didn't, now he has this burden to bear. Right. And he makes his he makes his case for it. I'm not necessarily saying that 
you know, I guess I guess in essence what I'm saying is when they remake The Wizard of Oz, and it will be a sad day when they do, if they don't have There's No Place Like Home in it, then it's not really like the way it should be because that's such a touchstone for that film. In the same way that in this film, Peter needs to learn that with great power comes great responsibility. And he doesn't learn it at his uncle's death. What he what he seems to learn it as uh, at is when Gwen Stacy's father dies. Like the emotional gravity for his character isn't when his uncle dies. It's when he makes a promise to leave Gwen Stacy out of his life later. And it's almost like when one of the characters' deaths happen uh, happens to him, he learns more from a second or third rate character than he does from the most important character at all. And it fundamentally undercuts the emotional gravity of the importance of that scene, but that is who Spider-Man is for the rest of his life. Like, that lesson from Uncle Ben means that he never he never web-slings by someone getting robbed in an alley. He stops every crime he sees, not a jaywalker, you know, because right. he's not psychopathic about the crimes that are happening. But he understands that every crime has a price, and that if you overlook just the little one to only focus on the big ones, you're leaving a wake of pain and trouble behind you. And he doesn't learn that in this movie, and it's horrible because it is who his character is. Just like if the next Superman film had him landing not in Kansas, but in Moscow. And if he grew up under Russian farmer parents instead, his whole life would be different. This is a huge fundamental lesson that Peter Parker has to learn, and he doesn't learn it in this movie. And that's a big problem for me. Well, I don't, I don't know that I, I agree that he doesn't learn it. I, and first of all, the, the other point um, that you know, they don't actually say those exact words, I was really okay with that. Because no, I wasn't. It, he still says things that mean the same thing as saying that slogan yeah. without talking in slogans, which I'm really pretty okay if you have characters that don't talk in slogans. I mean, just because, just because like, you know, three or four years down the line, Peter Parker can't be like sitting at home watching the news mm -hmm. and have, you know, repeating in his mind over and over with great power comes great responsibility. Right. I don't think that means you didn't learn your lesson. I mean, just because you don't have like a catchy phrase to rattle off over and over yeah. doesn't mean that he didn't say that. He he still said that. He just didn't say those exact words. Well, sometimes what you say when you say, you know, if you're focusing on the slogan because it's just a slogan, you know, then you get into a part of the film like Forrest Gump. I hated, despised wow. Forrest Gump. And Forrest Gump did Me what too. you were suggesting. Like he, Forrest Gump single-handedly came up with every slogan from shit happens to, right. you know, everything else. And he did it in this very off-the-cuff kind of way that seemed to be like he's not even human. Like he's seen into the future and into the past all at once and knows all sure. these things. With great power comes great responsibility is so important to the character. You know, you can say, you know, we just disagree about it. You can say that it was said and it kind of was hinted at. I don't think it was said, you know, but it's almost the same as, um, you know, not having a spider on your uniform. I don't care if they have the red and blue outfit or the black one that later became popular. It doesn't matter. Or, again, since we were talking about Superman, just not having the big S on the front of your shirt. Or a Superman without a cape. You get these things where you have archetypes and you have to stay with certain ingredients of them. 
You know, you're and you, one of them is that slogan. One I, of them oddly I, I enough is that slogan. I don't think you have to have that slogan. I think he said. I well, think you have remember. the. I think you have the, the content of that statement. Maybe the, I said the this same wrong. In I think, what he said. I think I may have said this wrong because I think what you think I'm saying is I'm upset it wasn't said. That's partially, I guess, what I'm griping about. But the whole notion that Peter's Peter seemed to be more affected by Captain Stacy's death than his own uncle's. And part of that is, in the story of Spider-Man, not only is his uncle dying huge in his life because he could have prevented it and didn't, but his uncle's death taught him and reinforced this lesson of with great power comes great responsibility. Right. Like, I'm not just railing against the storm because they didn't say it. Like, they have to say it. How come you didn't say it? You know, not that. His roundabout way of not saying it and saying it was unnecessary. Why not just say it? Well, like, this is what I'm saying. Like, there's there's a decision in both parts, both the deciding to not make Peter seem to be as affected by his uncle's death as he was. And I mean, like, character-wise, not not in a scene. Right. We did, Overarched. Well, we, like, did, we, did not get, we did not get the scene. We got some scenes where he's, you know, he's upset that his uncle died. What we got was him putting a hoodie and, on and, and slouching. And, and that's got, not acting. That's just posture. And we got... Uh, we got the fact that now he's hunting down the guy. Yeah. But we didn't really get hugely upsetness or kind of him. It, we didn't get a scene where he kind of focuses really on the fact that it's his fault. Or we or, didn't. Or and, that he thinks right. it's his fault. And we didn't get a scene that you believed that his life would be altered by this. Like, it, sure, his uncle died, and he was close. He was family, and he loved him like a surrogate dad. Right. He didn't. But his life he changes didn't, he when didn't his, like he didn't turn off his life and right. go. Now I'm Spider Man, and I fight crime all the time. Right. We but didn't get a scene when kind Captain of like Stacy that. dies. His life immediately and fundamentally changes, and that is misplaced. It is right. totally misplaced. Well, and, and it it happens. It, it's a weird thing also because it happens so late in the movie. That, true. True. That he suddenly decides that now. You know, now things are different, whatever. Right. Um, I I think the part you were talking about, you know, uh, you make a decision and so you are saying all this, you have all this other dialogue and why not just say it? And and I think that's an okay decision to make. I think it's, yeah. I, I think nothing has gone wrong because the decision that you're making is that you don't want your characters to speak in slogans. Yeah. I don't necessarily think anything's gone wrong if he had said it or yeah. or that the fact that a person might say that it's probably not as easy to work in as that's the way this guy talks. Well, he had he had another moment too where they could have saved this. And this is kind of like, well, why didn't they just say it? Like when Peter finally listens to Uncle Ben's voicemail. Right. You know, when he's talking about then how he, you're he my hero, he could have easily just said, look, remember what I said the other night? You know, you're you're a bright. He basically goes through this really touching voicemail that right. he leaves and Peter only listens to after he's after he's passed away. And he basically says, look, I know things are hard. You're you're a great guy, you know, and we love you very much. And, you know, you're my hero. You know, hang in there, basically. Right. All he has to do is also just say, remember what we talked about the other night. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. And I know you'll right. live up to that, you know. And it's just a very easy fix, except when it's when it's presented at two different times when you could do it and you don't do it either time, but you hint around at it 
Well, right. why are you hinting? Why don't you just do it? Because it is part of the lexicon. I'm sorry. If you don't right. like the slogan, that's okay. But also, like in a Superman film, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. You know, that shouldn't ever be in another Superman movie either. Or there were other things so tattooed to these types of characters. those as much as you do and that one was really you totally jarred me in the movie i was about ready to watch the film the lights go down you go i hear the stanley cameo is really horrible and you're gonna hate it okay let's watch the movie and i went oh my god really right all right now um we're way over and we'll go on forever if we if we don't quit because that i didn't even get to the the next the next thing you know it'll be like 40 minutes later right yeah the skateboarding was weird but let's so we'll just wrap up. You are two I am stars. being generous with two. And I, I think I'm pretty okay with three stars. Yeah, I, think. That's I fine. think it was a little bit better than average and it's you know, it's fun. I, I guess. I, I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was pretty fun and most people will think it was pretty fun. But right. we need to get out because there's gonna be a bunch of noise. All right, fair enough. We'll, we'll just we'll admit see everybody the next fact week that there's gonna be a lot of noise. Right. Right. Thanks for tuning in and we'll we'll see you next week. I'm not even sure I think it's gonna be Savages. I think so. It, it may end up being savages because nothing comes out next week. Right. I hope. But anyway, uh, right. catch us at artyscreening.com and thanks for tuning in. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. GEICO's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with GEICO, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. More power to you. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.